a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Far away for coach, please. What was your biggest takeaway defensively from, from that game? Uh, probably one of the bigger takeaways is just being able to manage and make the 50 50 balls. Um, and probably just on our end, <clears throat> being able to keep our discipline when it's required the most. We had a, a couple of foolish penalties that, that we can't allow to allow the change to keep moving and get them into some scenarios where they can get points. Probably one of the bigger things that we saw is when it's needed the most, you were able to be in position to make the plays that you needed to make. That's been an issue at times in terms of the defensive penalties and some of the like unsportsmanlike conducts and those kind of things. And you guys obviously have a veteran defense. Why do you think that kind of discipline stuff has, has popped up this it just Sometimes there's a little bit of frustration, uh, and, and we really talk to our players about knowing there's a fine line as you walk the, um, the element of controlled rage. Uh, you have to know when the switch needs to come off and what the penalties are and what it can do to our football team. Kalen said that because of the shortage of safeties, that you went with three linebackers a lot. How did that work out when you look at it? Because you don't usually do that. It, it worked out pretty good uh, from a production standpoint. Uh, the, the gentlemen went out there and played well. Very, very few mistakes. They played hard. And I, I think just from a group standpoint, we have a lot of trust in the guys we put on the field from a linebacker standpoint. Uh, so it, it was able to give us some plays and, and some pretty good action as well. So we're, we're definitely pleased uh, with it. And, and it was obviously it was Carson Bruner was the one who came onto the field to join uh, the other two starters. You were down three safeties. How much did you have to switch things around and accommodate for that? Yeah, it, it was um, we were scrambling eggs uh, uh, for sure. But th uh, that's that's kind of what we do as coaches. You know, our, our job is to do everything we can to try to put our players in positions to be able to be successful. So we were able to do just that, um, mixing and matching and trying to find the best combination of guys to be able to execute the jobs that we need in order to be able to win the game. And, and there were going to be some plays that we knew potentially they could get. We just needed to make sure on our end just minimize the big play, the explosive play, or the free play. Jabal Muhammad, I thought, was having a really good season. And mm -hmm. then this week, it seemed like they were going after him, trying to body up the big wide receivers and finding quite a bit of success. What did you see? No, it's, it's, it's just that. It's, it's the ebbs and flows of being a corner. Uh, the, the one thing we love about Jabbar is his attitude, his assertiveness, his aggressiveness, and we told him don't change because that is who you are and that's what got you to where you are right now, and that is your mentality. Uh, so he has to just continue to keep on going and being, being able to make those plays. Brandon had a massive game. from a pass rushing perspective, got a couple of sacks. What was it when you saw the film that allowed him to have so much success? His motor. And that is what really defines him and separates him from probably a lot of other uh, people in football. Uh, he has a motor that runs like a, um, uh, I would say probably like a dragster. 
because it, it is going and it is going and it is going. Uh, he will make the Energizer Bunny get tired. Playing, playing three linebackers, it kind of goes back to sort of a traditional, like what, what everyone grew up on as a 4-3 look defensively. Yeah. <laughs> Why has that playing that 5-DB look kind of become, well, what, what your guys' base package is, but then sort of that's kind of the way it is throughout a lot of college football, right? Yeah, most of the time it's because of the skill that's on the football field. Uh, whether it's the skill that an offense has in 11 personnel or the skill that you want to be able to have on, on, on your defense, you want to be able to have your uh, most assertive, your fastest guys, your best skill players on the field at one time. And, and in most scenarios in football, it's going to be trying to have five defensive back type bodies out there. Uh, probably the one thing I think that we have in, in our scenario is we have a couple of linebackers who can run like defensive backs. So that's what helps, and, and that's one of the things that we're doing from an initiative, from a recruiting standpoint. We have to make sure we get long, fast, and athletic linebackers. Stanford was able to do a lot. Their quarterback was, was successful extending plays and, and picking up rushing yards, and you're going to be going against a quarterback this week, obviously, who does that extremely well. What is the thing from last week that needs to be corrected or just improved upon as you go against an even greater challenge? On yeah, just making sure that, that you are very, very, very pass rush lane conscious and aware. Uh, the, the one thing that 13 that Caleb does, he does a great job of being able to manipulate, move around in the pocket while still keeping his eyes down the field. He can feel where a pressure point may be coming. He can step up, move around, and escape where, wherever he needs to be, and he still keeps his eyes down the field. And we also think that the receivers do a great job of seeing those scenarios when he is in stress to be able to extend a play. The short guys go deep, deep, guy, deep guys come short, and, and, and often they're able to get some free play. So that, that is something that is going to be a major part of emphasis for us uh, coming into the week of practice. What do you guys miss the most when you don't have Thule out there? <laughs> you know, you have the um, junkyard dog. Like, t t truly, that's what he is when he's on the football field. When you have a guy in the middle that can lock everything down and you have someone who is really, really, really mature in the game because he understands what's going to happen. He sees what's going on in the backfield. So uh, from a maturity standpoint, that's probably one of the biggest things that you're going to lack there, just his in-game feel for everything that's going on. So hopefully he'll be someone that we'll be able to get back here coming up this week. Obviously somebody who plays his position isn't necessarily going to have like the, the productivity stats. What do you see on film um, maybe in, a, in an instance where you go, wow, that – Tuli really did his job at an elite level there. He, he, he really, you know, made that play or helped that play. Yeah, well, you know, you, usually some of the things that he does, he's able to attack the line of scrimmage, hold his point, be in his gap, and sometimes throw and make a play at the next gap over. <clears throat> and that, that's one of the things that I think that he does a great job of, and I know Coach Noakes does a great job of coaching him and the rest of the group on being able to do that. Something that he does well is he's able to create some great separation between he and the offensive player. When, you're, when you can create separation, it'll allow you to be in a position where you can be able to get off blocks and be able to make plays. At the, at the same position, Javon Parker seems like he's really been impressive in just a limited amount of reps. Mm -hmm. They're planning to just kind of expand his role as the season goes Yeah, on. no, no, he is someone who is literally coming along. In, in most scenarios, uh, you would say he is green and growing. It, it is awesome to see because every, every day, every practice, every moment, he, he and Armand are definitely growing and getting their feet wet. So we know they, they definitely have a bright future. What challenges does Caleb Williams pose given how dynamic he is just as a player overall? Yeah, uh, just – 
everything. Uh, when, when you think about what you're looking for in, in an elite quarterback, he has it all. He can make all the throws. He can keep all of the plays alive uh, with his feet. His eyes are always going down the football field. He has some elite skill to where if people don't know, he's a lot better athlete than you think if, if people don't understand that because he can outrun everyone up front. Uh, in most teams' front seven, very rarely have you seen him get caught by anybody. So he's able to extend plays, do all the things that, that you want a leader to do. You can see him adjusting and making the checks and, and things like that that you want within their system. So when you talk about having someone who is a veteran Heisman candidate-ish quarterback, I mean, that's exactly what you want in your program. How important is it then for a guy like that to set the edge and then have your inside guys do their run foot and stay distant? Yeah, that, 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 that is critically important to where uh, in the in the pass game, your interior guys have to get a an equal push uh, in reference to that of your outside guys because your outside guys are too far up the field and your interior guys are on in the line of scrimmage. That's where you have what's called an inverted line of scrimmage. So now that's where guys could step up and work their way back outside and keep the plays alive. And, and often the guy can get off the block, but he may not be fast enough to catch him. You had uh, Jacoby Covington for his spring, and then he uh, headed for USC. Mm -hmm. uh, could he have helped your defense? Would he, was he a good fit for it if he'd stayed? Uh, yeah, yeah, potentially. But the, the one thing that we keep our focus on is those individuals that really, really, really want to be here. Like, and that's, that's truly our priority. The individuals that love the culture, that love what we're doing, and really want to come in and grind it out. Coach, what, how would you describe in general, Lincoln Riley offense, and, and what is it that he's so good at that's allowed him to have you know, success pretty much every season he's been a coach? Yeah, probably the, the one thing that they, that they do very well, they're able to get the ball in the hands of the skilled athletes in open space where they can make a guy miss to where all of a sudden a five-yard pass can turn into a 50-yard pass. Or the, uh, the running back in the run game has a blocker in front of him as good and as skilled as the, as the running back Corey is, where all of a sudden a potential four-yard gain can turn to a 50-yard gain. Or being able to run some options or being able to run some ins and outs uh, j just with respect to some of their route combinations, they do a really good job of being able to stress you at all points in time just with respect to the routes that, um, the routes that they run in the pass game. Probably the thing that we've seen the best is they do a really good job of adjusting during the game, sometimes in the series, where they'll, they'll run, run a play, you play it very well, and they'll come back to it four or five plays later, and they've made their adjustment to it already. You guys seem to have been really good at flushing quarterbacks out of the pocket. Sometimes I'm not sure if that's a good thing. It, <laughs> bad things seem to happen. Is there an answer for that? Well, yeah, yes. Uh, the, the answer is just make, make sure you can do everything you can to keep him in the core and allow him to go through his processes. And we have to be on body on our end when it comes to what we're doing with the receivers. All right, is that everything for Coach? All right. Hi. Michael said after the game that he kind of started to feel better as the game progressed. Did you feel like I mean, health-wise, with his illness and everything, that, that this was a better a better week for him, a better weekend for him than, than the previous one. Yeah, I thought he got stronger as the week went, um, and certainly, I felt like even at halftime, um, I did feel like he 
you know, just kept getting better. And even, you know, the beginning of the game, he was still fighting. And um, he just did a great job. You know, he, he knew he was sick and he had to battle through it during the week. And especially early in the week, he was certainly weak. Um, but he knew he had to be out there to get the reps and, you know, get the knowledge of what we were running and the coverage schemes and things like that. So I thought he battled his butt off and did a great job of just putting himself in a position to play a good game. When you know that he's battling through that, did, did that affect the way that you approached the game plan, play calls, anything like that? No, I didn't. I didn't feel like there was anything that you know we wouldn't be able to execute. Um, I didn't feel like there was throws that we had to stay away from or anything like that. I think it was more of just uh, thinking about ways to try to keep Mike from being taxed, you know. And even in practice, there were some times where you know uh, Dylan and Austin had to take extra reps that they wouldn't normally take. Uh, just to kind of keep Mike as fresh as we could and, and uh, you know, limit his reps and just how much he had to exert himself during the week. But he, he did a great job. He fought through it, and um, there, there was really very little um, adjustment to what we had to do. How's he feeling now? Good. He was really good yesterday. That's the best I've seen him in probably 10 days, honestly. Um, so yesterday in, in meetings, he seemed uh, really upbeat and just seemed like he was in a good spot, seemed back to himself. How hard is that on you just to know what he's capable of and just know that he's not 100%? And, I mean, it was obvious that he was missing some throws that he would normally make. You know, what's going through your head? Uh, just that he'll battle. You know, honestly, I just had total faith in Mike that um, no matter what, where he was at, that, you know, he would find a way to get it done and that he had enough strength in him to, to make it happen. So I, I really didn't. I wasn't worried. It was just more a situation where you just got to believe in Mike and trust him that, that he'll find a way to make it happen. And it sounds like Mike wasn't the only one battling it. No, there was definitely. It's that time of year. I can remember going to the Washington State game last year, and I wanted to fly separately. So it's about what it is. It's that time of year. So everybody take a little vitamin C in the morning and, and drink a lot of water. Did you get it? Nah. Yet? No. Nah. <laughs> I'm good. How did J Mac respond after the game? How did, how did he? Ah, uh, he was uh, he was emotional. Uh, it's been really hard on him. This is uh, you know I'm not saying J Mac's never been hurt. He's obviously been injured, uh, but just having to fight through some of this and try to find a way to be out there. Obviously, he's had two different games where he's tried to do that and and get out on the field and stay out there. And um, his body just hasn't allowed that to happen for him. So you know it's it's been emotional for him. You know he wants to be out there. He. He wants to make an impact and help us win games, and, and he certainly can. You know, we miss him. You know, I think we got, obviously, JP and Rome are, are phenomenal. Jeremy and all the guys, are, they're great. But uh, J-Max, you know, he's his own kind of guy, and and uh, his ability to separate versus man coverage is, is uh, elite. So uh, he knows that, and he knows that we're better with him out there. So uh, I, it's hard on him. It's really hard. He, he said he told you last year that he didn't like the way last season went when he led the team and receiving, and so that's why he came back. And I'm sure he doesn't like how this one's going for him personally. And he still has a redshirt season. Is that something in the back of everybody's minds? Yeah, I think he's got a he's got an extra season no matter what. I don't think the redshirt piece matters. So there, there's certainly, um, you know, I, I don't want to speak for J Mac, but you know, we're always supportive of him and. You know, if he wants to be here next year, we, we certainly would love to have him again. And, and I'm sure that that does weigh in on him. And, and we check in with him. Coach Shep and myself talk to him a lot about those things. And without trying to, you know, predict what's going to happen or force him into one lane. But uh, we just want him to know we support him and love him. And, and we're going to help him any way we can. Do you have an idea of what his 
availability is going to look like as you guys go into a pretty tough stretch here? You know, I talked to Darren yesterday, and, and uh, they did strength tests again. And, and you know, he's, he's doing good. It's, it's just, uh, you know, some of the cuts, he's such a violent, you know, he's so violent at the top end of his routes and things like that. It produces a lot of stress on his joints. So I think that some of that, when he doesn't feel the stability that, you know, until he can really feel 100% on that, I think we'll we'll just have to wait and see. So we're still, hopefully, he's going to get out there again, um, try the brace on his knee, and, and see what happens. You had some stuff happen on Saturday that we haven't seen all year. You know, with Rome with a fumble, and then uh, Jalen Cole. He hadn't had any drops all year, and he had yep. two drops. Is it sometimes that things just kind of build on each other, or did you see yeah. either of those? No, I, I mean I think there's a preparation piece to that. If I'm being transparent, um, and that's what I told the guys on Sunday, I thought we had a good game, not a great game. You know, and there were certainly two red zone turnovers is is horrific. You know, and we could have helped the defense by staying out there doing that and scoring points and. You know, getting 50 some points instead of 42 and leaving it, you know, a close football game when it shouldn't have been. So that part is is frustrating. And um, the thing I told the guys last week was, you know, we had, um, I think it was a Thursday practice at Oregon week. We were 46 of 47 throwing the ball on Thursday practice. The ball touched the turf one time all day. And that's not what it was on Thursday practice. So, we gotta we gotta focus up and, and do a great job. And I know, you know, Rome and and JP, they've made plenty of plays for us. So, you know, as far as dropping the ball, I don't think that that's, you know, something to catch a norm on. But I'm I'm more concerned with how we protect the football. Um, Rome had fumbled the football out of bounds multiple games in a row, and uh, you know, there's just too much of that right now. And we got to get it cleaned up. And it's got to be unit reinforcement. Not just the guys with whistles and guys got to realize last year we we led the country and in, in fumbles lost. You know, we only had lost two all year. And so right now it's just not good enough. It's not the standard and we got to make it more important. We have, we didn't see Giles on Saturday. Has a decision been made whether he's just going to play four games or not? No, he, he was nursing an ankle. So he wasn't able to go. He didn't practice all week. And so we're still dealing with that a week at a time. And. Um, right now, we're going to see what he can do out there tomorrow, um, and then you know make the decision on the USC game. And so we're we're still obviously staying in contract, you know, with with Giles every week and trying to find out whether you know he's able to help the team. If he is, we just look at it as you know one game at a time. If he's able to help us, he still has games left. And then when we get to the fourth game, and you know, and we're full. We'll have to make you know harder conversations at that point. So he's been great, and he's willing and ready to help the team when, when his body is able to. It seemed like you guys were maybe a, a little pleasantly surprised that Jeremy was able to play oh, as, man. as much as he did. What? <laughs> how hard is that when he hasn't had the reps throughout practice and, and is able to go out and, and run those routes and then make those plays? It's it's tough. Just uh, you know, more on him than anybody, but just. You know, I, I got so much trust in Germ. He just does such a great job of, of being ready. You know, he's definitely one of the guys that I highlighted that it's, you know, what a great job of preparing all week like you're going to play the game. You know, I think some guys are can be hurt and not preparing themselves for the football game and, you know, just kind of accept where they're at. And, and I thought exactly the opposite of Germany. He fought every day and, you know, they were like, oh, I don't know if he's going to go. I don't know if he's going to go. And then I remember me and Shep talking Friday at the walkthrough, like, I think Germ should come with. And, yep, let's see, even another day. You know, you still got 24 hours from Friday to see, you know, where he's going to be on Saturday. And he just did an awesome job of 
being ready and, and honestly filling in in some spots where he hadn't been playing a bunch. And so just just incredible job, and that's what you expect out of the guys on, on a championship-caliber football team. Kalen had talked about the adrenaline with him and the fact that he probably felt better after that game than he even did on, like, Friday's practice. How did he come out of that, and how is he looking? Really good, really good. Yeah, he um, he was great. Talked to him for quite a while yesterday and and uh, feels stronger and, you know, probably has a, a different level of confidence on that leg now and that ankle. So I think he, he's just getting better every day. And I know he's been super diligent about, you know, getting in rehab and trying to make it stronger and getting himself back for the game. So I've been just really impressed with his work ethic and, and his commitment to being back out there. Same concept with Julius Bilo um, yeah. back out there. And, and how did you feel he held up and, and the whole line together, getting together in that group of five for the first time? Yeah, they, they did a good job. I thought Julius is, um, you know, same as Germ. I feel like every day he looks a little bit better and he's probably not quite 100% yet, but I thought he did a really good job. I thought specifically in, in pass protection, we had, you know, a couple times that, you know, Mike was getting pressured that he shouldn't have been. Uh, but overall, I thought the protection was good. Um, I thought the pressure pickups and isolating man coverage was much better than it was the previous week. So, you know, what I had spoke of last week about making people pay in man coverage, I thought we did that. And, um, you know, got the ball down the field when there was no safety help and, and definitely made him pay. And that certainly was, you know, Mike had a couple checks on protection that he had missed before and uh, he did an awesome job with that and put us in a position to make some big plays there. So I thought that was a, a big step in the right direction. Can we expect to see more carries from Jack Westover at tailback? Hey, you never know. You never know. I'll do anything to get the run game going. Does this feel almost like a non-conference game because the Huskies haven't played USC since 2019 and I don't think they've played them in LA since 2015. So it's kind of an anomaly on the Pac-12 schedule for them. Does it feel different? Is it treated different for any of that reason? Well, I didn't know any of that until you just told me. So <laughs> uh, so not for me, no. Uh, I asked Dylan Morris, you know, if he'd played there and he said no. It's He kind of explained the, the same process. and. Um, I think for our guys, they're just they're just amped for the opportunity to go down to to play a good program like USC in a great environment like the Coliseum. Um, we played there once when I was at Fresno in '19, and you know it's a it's a really good environment. It'll be a lot of fun, and um, I think that's a situation where the guys just look at you know that's one that you circle early in the year like this is going to be a fun game. What a what a rivalry that this could be on Saturday. What have you seen from their defense up Phil? Yeah, they're really multiple. They got a lot of coverage looks, a lot of man schemes. Uh, they'll show you man on one side and zone coverage on another. So um, I think they try to be really multiple. They got some guys that can run around. Um, 90 is a good football player. The guy on the inside, he can move really well. He's got strong hands and separates well. But um, got a lot of athletic guys that can run. They're free safety, number seven, um, can cover a lot of ground. So I think that the big thing we got to be is discipline that – we can't let their movement and uh, all their different fronts and coverage schemes, you know, get in the way of us running our stuff and doing our thing. Uh, Westover was mentioned, but I mean, mm -hmm. it was a big day for your tight ends as a whole in terms of yeah. Dev making an impact. And, you know, you've got a bunch of wide receivers, but is there a way to emphasize that position more when you've got guys that you trust, like, like Culp and Westover? Yeah, I think uh, some of that, you know, always depends on what the willing, you know, willingness of the defense, you know, we felt like. Coverage-wise, when we got into 12 personnel, there were some things that we could take advantage of them with and, 
and the guys did, and we got the looks we were expecting. So that was really good to see. And um, sometimes you just need a different type of body type to win in certain coverages. And when people don't adjust their personnel like Stanford did, they'd bring in a, another bigger body, then uh, you know you certainly can get those guys out there and utilize those matchups. But when you get you know nickel defenders and corners and things like that covering tight ends, uh, sometimes not as good a matchup. But I thought that we did a really good job with that, having that ready to go. And um, I think almost any week, though, honestly, Jack and Dev run well enough that they can be an option in almost you know any scheme. So I think that they're doing a good job, and, and we're finding ways to utilize those guys. But always when you're down players, you're trying to find the next way to fill those holes. And you know certainly those guys are up for the task, and they do a good job, super knowledgeable guys, and they, they can fill in in any pass concept. The running attempts on first down, you had quite a few of them. You know, what do you see? Is, are those checks that Michael's making into? Should he get out of those? Is it blocking? No, him? no, the, I didn't have any run checks for Mike this week. Um, the, there were protection checks, but, you know, the run game uh, honestly was frustrating. There was, you know, it was one of the first things I addressed is I felt like there was at least seven hits that um, I think there's plays that you practice. And sometimes you question whether did I give him the, the right look enough? Did we rep that play enough? And if that's the case, um, I'm typically pretty gracious in that. I won't burn the guys down and, you know, call them out on anything. But if it's something that we repped and it was a look that we got and we did it a lot, I'll be pretty upset about that. And there were some of those that the execution on some of those plays was poor. And so we got to have a renewed sense of interest in the run game. And we got to, you know, focus on it more. We got to coach it better. Um, got to push the guys more because there were certainly some hits that that should have been had if I'm being honest and and we got to keep improving we got to keep you know committing to it um, I think we rushed the ball 27 times and you know, obviously didn't get the yards per carry but I liked at the end of the game we found ways to to get some fits that were advantageous to us and you know finish the game with the run game and I, I thought that was something to focus on and, and highlight a little bit. 92 yarder was the second longest pass play in school history, and I'm just kind of curious on plays like that. You're you're thrown out of your own end zone. Philosophically, um, sometimes you run the ball to get out of there, but you love to take shots too. Just tell me what ball went into that play. Well, those some of those are look calls where if we get the matchup we want, and you get a max protection opportunity, which is what we had, um, and you got a veteran quarterback. I mean, there's there's no doubt with a guy like Mike. He knows where his outlets are on a play like that. He can get the ball out of his hand. He knows what the problems are. Because even in that situation, they did pressure us, and we did get man, and I kept it on. And, uh, you know, Mike had Dylan off the edge on a pressure, and Dylan got enough of a fit on that that Mike could hang onto the ball and let JP clear traffic and make that throw. But that's there's a, there's a big component to that, just the quarterback, you know, that he's going to make a good decision and not put you in a bad spot. Because it's not just – you know, getting sacked, it's all of a sudden you panic and throw the ball away and you get a safety for intentional grounding, things like that. Those things all go into play. But um, I just think, again, you know, we, we can't win the game with throwing the ball 50 yards every play. We know that, and the guys know that. At the same time, when we get man coverage and things like that, we need to find the way to win. And uh, certainly with max protection, we feel good that our guys can do that. Did uh, Polk get extra credit on that play? Because not only did he get wide open, but he got 
fouled on the play, left the guy in the ground? Yeah, there's no AM one in football, unfortunately. But um, I think for him, you know, I love showing that clip. And the thing I, you know, really stressed to the offense was there's so many, especially young receivers. I think you can learn from that play that, you know, so many guys will get a clear pass interference and they'll throw their hands up or give, you know, throw the flag, and they're more worried about getting the call than they are scoring a touchdown. And that's what I love about JP is he's so hungry. He's like, 15-yard penalty ain't enough. I want the 92-yard six. And that's what he did. You know, he fought through the guy. Mike trusted him, let him clear the traffic and go get the touchdown. I, I think that's such an imperative deal, you know, that we stress to our guys all the time, just keep fighting, go get the ball. We're going to give you a chance and spotlight you. And don't just wait for the flag. So uh, I, I thought that was a huge play. Is that all? All right. All Thank right. you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, good morning. <clears throat> I know the coordinators are giving you quite a bit of information from the game on Saturday. Um, just really looking forward to uh, to uh, this week. Uh, I think uh, you know always getting better is uh, the message, and uh, that's what it's been all, all year long. And uh, certainly need that now um, as we head into the home stretch here of the season. So it's crazy how fast you go from uh, you know bye week to uh, mid season, and all of a sudden now there's only four left, but uh, four four big ones. And uh, you know looking forward to a great challenge this weekend. Sounds like the flu had its uh, way through the locker room. Are you on the downside of that, or? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think we're, and it will it will probably come through again. You know, we experienced it last year a couple times, and sometimes it just, uh, you know, di different guys. As long as it doesn't hit one position group all at one time, and you can't practice or practice has to be adjusted, uh, you're usually all right. But uh, yeah, we're we're doing all right. I think. Has COVID stayed away from your team? Yeah, yeah, it has. Did you, with that situation last week, did you have to adjust practices because of specific position groups or anything like that? No, uh -uh, not really. It was more just the dings and stuff. Uh, and, you know, you heard from, from uh, Ryan just, uh, you know, did the reps maybe a little bit with Michael, but he was there at practice. Grub touched, <clears throat> touched on it a bit, but has there been a plan or discussion at all about shutting J-Mac down for the season or is it still – Kind of just taking it game by game at this point. Yeah, no, it's all just game by game um, because he's really close. I mean, he's he's really close, and, um, and it, it it's uh, day to day with him. Um, you know, early in the week, uh, really hopeful, but um, kind of by Tuesday, we're kind of a little maybe a little bit nervous, and all of a sudden by Wednesday, Thursday, really picked up a lot of steam, and so. Um, been through just trying to figure out exactly how to get him over the hump so uh he wants to be out there as bad as anyone and uh, he's a big time competitor so 
Um, he knows how important he is to our football team. And uh, so whatever we can do to get him out there as quick as possible and feel good about it, uh, we're all for it. Do you have relationships with anybody on the staff or have you faced anybody on this? Uh... Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, you know, certain staff members. I mean, you know, um, but nothing that's real like where I've worked with anyone, you know, so. As, as someone who's worked with a lot of quarterbacks, what stands out to you about Caleb Williams that's special and maybe a little bit different? Yeah, playmate. I mean, elite playmaker, you know, um, can make all the throws. And, uh, you know, like Inch, Coach Inch said, um, eyes are downfield and uh, buys time. Uh, will, you know, not be afraid to make any throw uh, on the run, um, you know, deep down the field. So, uh, you know, we got to do a really good job of just staying on the receivers uh, and any skill player, uh, especially when, you know, he's escaped the pocket. And that will definitely happen. And, uh, you know, you got to make the play and get him down and line up and uh, go play again. You know, that's what you, your mindset has to be is that uh, he's going to make some plays. You know, there's just uh, not a game. I mean, you're not the Heisman rating Heisman quarterback without, uh, you know, that ability and uh, the playmaking that he has is, uh, you know, is exceptional. Can you compare uh, what Caleb Williams is able to do as a runner as opposed to Bo Nix and maybe the differences in their styles? Uh, I think a lot of the times it's uh, maybe a little bit what the offense, uh, you know, system is. And, um, you know, I think uh, probably, you know, every system has the ability to get the ball out quick, you know. And, um, you know, I think with the run game and the emphasis of that uh, with, with Oregon and the the way uh, they try to get balls and spit it out in the perimeter, um, you know, there isn't as many chances for uh, Bo to escape um, as much. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Caleb uh, has, has, he seems to have more opportunities where he can sit back there and, and you know, just more and drop back concepts. And, you know, because of that, uh, you know, the, going through his progressions and reads, um, there's more opportunities to, to create, but they're both, you know, major threats, both as a passer and as a runner. Uh, some of the best I've ever seen. Going back to, to Jalen, do you think there's any thought in his mind because of how much time he's missed this year that that he might consider coming back for another season next year? Uh, yeah, I think that. I mean, I, I know how important it is for him to just, you know, um, and it, I, I think back to a year ago, you know, and um, – you know, huge credit to him. He was he was thinking about coming back well before he made the decision officially, you know, publicly. And uh, a lot of it is is he just has his individual goals, things he wants to accomplish. And um, you know, I think uh, it might it has to do with what he does uh, here in the program, um, and uh, you know how he leads our program and what he's done. He's come so far, and it's just uh, it's awesome to see his growth. Um, but I also think about just, you know, that next level and uh, where he wants to get to. And, um, you know, that's something, uh, you know, I'm sure is in the back of his mind and he's working through and we'll continue to talk it through with him. But, uh, um, you know, that's 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 on his time frame. Um, but he certainly knows we're here for whatever uh, information he needs us to gather to help him make the best decision possible. But, uh, you know, he's just a tremendous, tremendous player. Um, and his, again, his growth, not just as a, 
a player, but as a person um, and as a human being um, is just uh, something I'm extremely proud of because uh, even the toughness and just the guts that he had to try to continue to push through even this week to get on the football field um, says a lot about what he wants to try to bring to this football team and and uh, how important they are you know, to him. 30 updates you can give on Vince Nunley and Asa Turner. Uh, what, updates on him? Yeah. Um, uh, Asa would be day to day, and I wouldn't count on Vince for this weekend. Same with Cam Fab and Thule, or yeah, I think I think uh, Cam Fab. Um, the next couple of days will be really big for him. I think he um, he feels good about it right now, but you got to get out there and practice. And so you know, um, from the end of last week and until tomorrow, really, there has not been any of those practice opportunities and. Um, you know, we brought Thule with, and so we obviously felt like he was, he was close enough to where if we, you know, if we were in dire straits to where there was, you know, other injuries or something that happened in the course of the game, um, you know, he could have gone out there, but uh, that was at the risk of, uh, you know, more more issues happening to where we might lose him for a longer period of time. So uh, we trust him, and uh, he said, you know, he wanted to go on the trip and be there for the team if needed. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, fortunately we've gotten through the weekend and now, uh, you know, he's in a lot of the same position as far as Camp Fab, you know, seeing how it goes tomorrow and being day to day. After taking a look at the film of the last three games, what are some things you absolutely have to clean up if you're going to win down at USC? Uh, I think, um, you know, just opportunities. And so, you know, when you're in the red zone, um, you know, scoring touchdowns and we've had some some takeaway or turnovers, um, you know, down in the red zone the last couple of games. And uh, those are the those are the points that keep you from extending leads, um, gain, you know, getting the momentum. Uh, it's not even like you're not getting three points, you're getting zero. And so those points add up and, um, you know, keep the game close. Um, and I think just consistency, you know, uh, but the consistency is a lot of just one of those areas I just explained, you know, being in the red zone. So um, Grub talked about consistency, just whether it be running the football or just making the plays that are out there to be had. And uh, defensively, I think, you know, like Coach Inch said, you know, there were some 50-50 balls that we've done a good job of knocking away and, and con contesting. Um, and, uh, you know, those plays didn't end up uh, going our way um, as many times this last weekend. But uh, our guys are... I think our guys are in a great mindset. They're in a good mindset to go out there and attack and and uh, continue to work this week. And um, I don't feel like I felt like in the, in the in the second half, I felt like we were starting to play, you know, uh, football uh, the way that uh, we know it. Um, you know, just uh, kind of grinding through it and uh, just you know getting those turnovers. I think just were the things that didn't allow us to get over the hump here uh, in the fourth quarter, especially. Coach, how do you evaluate, um, after watching the film, how do you evaluate the offense uh, for Stanford? What do you think? Uh, I think, I mean, I think they're well coached, and so there's things that they no, can. No, your offense against it. That oh, our, our offense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, watching the film, were you? Yeah, I, I, there's just, you know, um, it's, it's, there's such a rhythm, I think, to, to great offenses, and we just couldn't get in that rhythm consistently. Got the good field position on the first drive, went down and scored. Um, and then just, uh, you know, whether it be a drop ball throughout the course of the game here and there, um, just that rhythm, um, you know, that we, we were missing. And I think we did find that rhythm in the second half uh, after the first drive. You know, there's a penalty that pushes us back and we take a sack. And really, it wasn't anyone getting beat. We just got to be better with our, uh, with our, our, our guys being on the same page. And um, 
something actually really that's not complicated. And so, uh, you know, once we found that rhythm, I think in the in the rest of the third quarter, going to the fourth, um, it really just came down to two turnovers in the red zone. Uh, but there was a lot of confidence, and I think that you still saw that. Um, our guys uh, working through that, uh, even in the last drive when we found a way to get the ball in the end zone. Kaylin, um, your, your current generation of fans will tell you that Oregon is the most disliked rival, but the older generation will tell you it's USC. And, and USC and, and Washington uh, went at it in ways that the Huskies came out with three one-loss seasons, and each loss was to USC. So USC's cost this program a lot. And, and here, just add to it, they haven't played much in the last um, four or five years. Does that, does that bring any kind of different approach to this game that um, there just isn't, it's almost been like a non-conference game coming into it? This yeah, year. no, I get that. I mean, you know, I think back to the places I've been and there's this history and, you know, especially when it's your alma mater or your hometown team, um, I mean, you're in it for more than just two or three or four years, you know, you're in it for decades. And so I get that piece, but uh, you know, from our from our standpoint, um, this is about the 2023 team, and we talk about this not just for this game coming up, which we will say is the most important game because it's the next one. Um, and you know, this 2023 team really nothing from last year matters other than the lessons that we take from last year, and it definitely going back before last year um, doesn't mean a lot. Does it mean that? Uh, Hey, we want to make uh, make amends for what uh, has happened in the past. Sure, yeah, we love uh, to, you know, our alumni that set the stage for us to do what we have and the, the tradition we have as well. Um, but uh, for us, this is about the 2023 Huskies and uh, us just uh, being in the moment right now and having a big game against a very good football team uh, in USC. And so uh, that's really as simple as we we'll try to make it and what it's all about. Kalen, you've had undefeated seasons and you've won championships. Is there any characteristics of this team that maybe remind you of those other teams or is this season remind yeah. you of any other season? A lot. Uh, I mean, these games that we just went through, um, every undefeated season I've ever been a part of has these games. You know, games where you're down 14 nothing in the first quarter and you somehow, you know, just grind it out and find a way to win. Um, you know, games where we won 11 to 10 in, you know, some tough weather in a semifinal game to go to a championship. I mean, it wasn't pretty. And, you know, there's there's games when you're seasons when you're putting up 30, 40 points a game or more and you have those come up. And so uh, to me, it's about, you know, the, the fight and the guys and, you know, working through those 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 times of the season when it's not perfect or you're not completely healthy. I mean, it's going to be something different at different times. And so um, I think all championship teams have those those uh, close games. You know, um, you can probably look at uh, the defending national champs in a year ago, you know, see that there was a, a game that uh, or two that they had to grind through uh, to get the dub. Um, and, um, you know, that's just that's just college football. Every win is hard, um, especially when you get to conference play and teams later in the season really can kind of um, do a good job of trying to see, uh, you know, what it is they need to try to do to slow you down. Um, we're doing the same for them um, and the teams that we play. So, yeah, I think uh, every season um, that I've been a part of, um, the, there's, there's very few where it's just been this clean, easy ride, you know, uh, throughout the course of the year. 
Grant mentioned that the run game is something he wants to get going, and it seems like there's been a few guys behind Dylan that get chances, but not a ton. It's kind of what can you guys do to get the run game going more? Uh, I, it's just I've been doing a better job of just being clean on our on our on our execution. I would you know you naturally think the O line, but I think it's everyone. It's it's uh, receivers. You know, making the blocks at the right time because the the running back knows if I get through the first level, I got to beat okay the corner or I got to beat the safety. Who is that guy? And so it's execution of everything, uh, much like there was, you know, just uh, some execution things we talked about week one and week two that we were really close to hitting on, and um, there were some good hits in, in the course of the game. You know that we had. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, one of one of them that got brought back, I feel like, you know, it was well blocked and, you know, got us off to a could have got us off to a good start in the third quarter. And in the end, uh, hurt us on that drive and eliminated that uh, that opportunity. But um, I just I just feel like we're you're always, you know, the days when things are going really well, um, you're hitting on all cylinders and that big block is happening or that big catch and that big throw is happening. Um, and then that kind of spurs you on in that rhythm. And uh, we just were missing on a couple of those. But um, having a good week of practice, and it was good to see Julius Bulow add to the mix, uh, you know. Um, and I think we, again, are building more depth at the offensive line position. And um, that just helps with the flow of practice, too, having a more able bodies that, uh, you know, are out there and able to execute and, and uh, get those running backs more, more looks at those plays, too. That's it for Coach. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Yep. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.